Hello, you lovely lot. I wanted to take a moment to share an exciting announcement with you all. I will be doing a live show for Happy Mum, Happy Baby at the podcast show in London on the 22nd of May. This will be a live episode of this very podcast featuring me and a very special soon-to-be-announced guest. Get ready for a candid conversation, unfiltered truths, laughs, invaluable non-judgmental advice and lived experiences. Dive into the complexities of parenting while juggling work, relationships and personal growth and we'll be talking beyond the baby years. As well as the live episode, the show will also include a Q&A with both me and my guest. Tickets go on sale this Friday the 26th of April at 10am, but anyone who is part of the Happy Mum, Happy Baby newsletter will be getting early access to tickets on Wednesday the 24th of April at 10am. To sign up to the newsletter and for more information about the event, please head to happymumhappybaby.com forward slash events. I can't wait to see you there. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of Happy Mum, Happy Baby, the podcast. So Harry, is he? Welcome to the podcast. Yay. Together, together. Ha- Harry, have you been feeling left out? I've been very left out, yeah. I've okay. been waiting for my invite, G, to the, to the podcast. You are the first... Oh, no, Tom's done it. So it's OK, it's only out of you and Danny. I was going to say you're the first reply <laughs> member, but that's a lie. And actually, Matt's been in, so even McBusted, you're the... Yeah, but Matt's more interesting than me, so... And, you know, <laughs> what, what season are you on now? Oh, you know what? This season is so long that we're almost out of seasons now. We're you're just you're rolling. We're, running out of guests as well. No, no, no. We're, that's scraping, why you're here. Scraping the barrel. <laughs> yeah. and we've become like an almost always on podcast, right, okay. which I really love. Yeah. And what's amazing now, because we've been doing it for six years, mm. is that people sort of say to us, can I come on and do an app? And I'm like, yeah. Should Why not? Because your your version of parenthood, your experiences of becoming pregnant or giving birth, whatever that is, my might experience just, of giving birth. not yours, <laughs> but might just relate to someone who needs to hear it at that point. Yeah, so totally. I'm, I'm always up for saying yes to guests, but nice. welcome. Thank you. Um, I always start by going back to childhoods. Mm. What were your childhoods like, guys? Quite similar or different? Um, I think quite different. Well, they're definitely like crossovers. Um, I think actually my childhood is quite uh, different to most people's. Often I talk about my childhood yeah. to people and they're like, really? 
that's crazy, you know. I mean, ultimately, like, very happy childhood, very mm. lucky, very privileged, you know, went to great school, um, you know, brother and sister, mum, yeah. dad, you know. Many people now know my mum and I spend most I of my... I love uh, your mum. Uh, if there was a fan club for your mum, I think I'd be the, the chair. It's the only thing I would ever chair. you chair, would yeah. you? Yeah, well, I, I spend a lot of my life now you know, walking around <laughs> thinking I'm getting recognised and people are recognising me to tell me that they love my mum. They're like, <laughs> Harry, please say hi to your mum. I love your mum. Like, but it's, it is amazing. And, and actually, yeah, as I said to her on the phone the other day, she deserves it. And, yeah. and I said, you... It's a testament to you as a person, Mum. Mm. You, you just you should take all these compliments. Um, so yes, no, a, a very happy childhood. I mean, I guess what's different from mine to to most people's, and and a conversation that still happens now with my bandmates. You know, because it's crazy to them the things that I did. I, I went to a boarding school when I was eight. Um, but you know, so Lola is seven. Yeah. So I, I seeing her now kind of going well in a year's time yeah well in january you know that's in a year's time no, yeah in a year's time she would be no she'd be going to in september yeah in the september she'd so be going now to... seeing it as a point of view of seeing looking at your child and going oh my god mm. yeah well it was very much as well back then not always but it was more predominantly boys that would go as yeah. well um but yeah, certainly couldn't imagine sending Lola. To, and for me, it was full boarding as well. So you'd go for three weeks at a time, and then come home for a couple of days, yeah. and then you'd go back for another three weeks. And so yeah, but it was kind of all I knew. I thought yeah. that was that was the reality of most kids. You're you're so sort of sheltered. You you driven like an hour and a half away from home up this sort of big driveway, this big house that Tom described as Hogwarts when mm -hmm. he saw it, and. I remember that evening. It was the first time I saw my dad cry, actually, and my my mum was crying. Me and my brother were crying, and and my dad started crying in the kitchen, and and I then started laughing because I thought he I thought he was joking, um, because I'd never seen him cry before. And yeah, off we went. Um, my sister was twelve, mm. and she was she was at a, a sort of local school, um, and she may have been born in by then. But anyway, yeah, off we went. With our, you know, trunks and tuck, yeah. tuck boxes, and you, you went. I remember going through the big arched door with the, the headmaster, and and you sort of turn around, and your parents were gone. And I, I didn't realize what they would do back then. Is they'd say, you know, they'd say to your, your parents, "Go, go," you know, and and God, that's one thing to do uh, at like nine o'clock in the morning when you're going to see them at three. It's a different. Yeah. If it's going to be three weeks. I know, and it's it's also it's September, so the, oh, the yeah. evenings are dark. I remember it was dark. It's autumn time. You know, it was a Sunday night. And suddenly then you're in this dormitory with six other boys, I think it was, in these kind of like <laughs> cast iron beds and like single pane rattling windows. And it's like, yeah, it's it's crazy, really. But it was my, my norm. That, that was your yeah, normal? Yeah. Mm. What was yours like, Izzy? So I'm the youngest of four, so I have... And the eldest are all boys. And I've got three older brothers. Yeah. So I just remember it being quite chaotic. Um... <laughs> And surrounded by music, my mum and dad had a music school. And our summers were, we used to go off in the in the caravan and they'd pitch up at a school and run these little music courses. And yeah, so music was heavily part. So much so, I remember 
just when somebody asked me what my what I was carrying, that I was like, it's a violin. Just <laughs> <laughs> felt so normal. Um, but then my brothers went away um, to to they were choristers at Kings, and I was at home. And it is that weird feeling of of not having your siblings. And yeah. I often think about that that sometimes we forget to explain to our children about something that's about to happen. And so, but in my eyes, they were there and then they were gone. Yeah. And, you know, Guy, the brother closest to me, we were really close. They used to call us like Darby and Joan and we did everything <laughs> together and suddenly he was away at school. Um, so, yeah, I, I I remember the holidays. Um, there was We would often like, there was football in the garden and we would just have loads of fun together mm. and it was kind of quite loud and chaotic <laughs> and then very quiet when they went away oh yeah i mean the thing is though you say that like about could i imagine sending lola to the boarding school no i couldn't but could i imagine sending my boys <laughs> <laughs> certain times in the day you fantasize about it. i fantasize about it it sounds very appealing <laughs> off you go see you in three weeks yeah suddenly you understand yeah, why your but that's what it. my mum says she was like you were so full-on and you yeah. so demanding and you just wanted to be doing everything constantly and actually she'd had a a car accident and and she just couldn't cope with with me and my brother so i was talking only the other day about it to someone and that's i think some people perceive it as cruel and gosh you know would you do that with your kids and i think it very much depends on the child mm. you know i think it really suits some people and it suited well, also, me you had an amazing time there yeah amazing and actually, time if i think about you are someone who has firm friendships like your friendship mm. groups like back in the like early band days it was your mates who were there the yeah. whole time and they actually became a massive part of our lives like yeah. you you create a, a brotherhood you in really a do, really yeah. solid way yeah you do and, and and it's i think school in general it's not necessarily for everyone yeah i think people that struggle at boarding school probably struggle at a day school as yeah. well but potentially but yeah it's not for everyone but i loved it and as you said great friendships and and amazing opportunities and, mm. and access to sport and music and so yeah very like yeah, very lucky I think both of us with our child Izzy was obviously surrounded by music and mm. um, can yeah. you two remember when you first started talking about the possibility of having children in the future together that's <laughs> probably so early on wasn't it probably yeah um, I mean we were both quite like I think I you know the thing with Izzy I was always quite like a romantic I think I'd often I'd often be like let down by girls because they're like he's a bit he's a bit too like bit full on bit full on yeah a bit too like a couple of girls that I'm still friends with now are like yeah no I liked you but you were just like a bit like it's like chill out mate um, <laughs> and with Izzy I didn't you know we obviously like had a real connection and, and didn't feel like I had to be like that with her and um, yeah I think very early on we'd talk about kids, names names and kids yeah. and way before we were like engaged and and. Uh, you know, back in the days where we all lived, you know, opposite each other. And I remember, I even remember on, you know, Ducks Hill Road. Yeah. Having a conversation with you in the car about kids and names and things. So it was always something we projected, you know. Mm. It's funny though, isn't it? I think because it, you're like us, it actually took you a while to get married, start having, like, you know, go mm. down that path. I mm. think when you're younger, it always feels like, oh, that's a lovely thing that we're doing in the future. Yeah. But then when you're actually kind of going, no, we're gonna we're gonna start now, yeah. even if it's a start, you know, just not not try, you know, yeah. we're just gonna see what happens. That is a massive. Step. Yeah, well, I think as well for for us, um, you know, women in general, from my experience, are a lot more capable and mature than men, and 
but because of being in McFly, you know, we we essentially had jobs from the age of 17 and were lucky enough to, you know, get a, a, a property with a mortgage mm -hmm. and suddenly you do have to grow up quite, not that we did, but you... you, you absolutely. No, you don't. Okay. Where this is going from. <laughs> okay, you have, <laughs> you have responsibility. No, okay. I'll tell you what, in the band house, there was zero responsibility. Yeah, Let's remember, yeah. like, the state that you used to leave it in yeah. all the whole time. I think Awful. when you did buy your own places, actually, you in particular, you became... You, that was your home. Yeah. That was something that you had worked hard to get and mm. therefore you treated it with respect. And I think that mm. is where the responsibility came in. Yeah, I think so. And I think like, um, yeah, and also because we met, you met Tom when you were 13 and we met when I was, I was 19, you were 21. Um, Just a bit older. A bit yeah. older, a couple of <laughs> years older. Um, and, but it was like almost an inconvenience that we met each other at a young age because we were so well suited and fell in yeah. love, just like you and Tom. And it's like, it was amazing. But then you're like, oh, wow, I'm I'm only 21. Suddenly I'm 22. And it's easy. was talking about like, when are we moving in together and stuff? And it's like, oh, wow. And But actually, oh, we got married. I was 22 days before I was 27. You mm. you guys were young. And so we, we were the first kind of weddings yeah. of all our friends and stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Big step. Big step. But it worked out. Yeah. It worked out. It did all work out. Didn't uh, it? It worked out. <laughs> we're still here. <laughs> um, on uh, the last time you were on Izzy, which was mm. six years ago, which blows my mind, you know, it, like I said before, we had three kids when we last recorded that. We've now got six between us. Yeah. That is quite, uh, you know, quite the shift, I yeah. would say, in terms of going out for dinner or anything. Um, we talked about IVF, mm -hmm. miscarriage, um, and uh, and actually, I've got to say, if you um, go back and listen to those episodes, because actually that episode is is so beautiful, your outlook on it, and at the time you just um, published Dare to Dream as well, mm -hmm. um, and I think uh, in terms of looking for places that talk about IVF and fertility issues with hope, I think that is a, an amazing resource, and your podcast as well, which you did at the time, which was absolutely amazing. Um where we left you, mm -hmm. you were very pregnant with Kit. Yes. I, I think you were literally like weeks away from giving birth. Probably, yeah, because the book came out in the summer and he was born at the end of summer. He was born early, so yeah. 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 Um, can you uh, remember going towards the birth of number two? So... There was a lot of huffing. <laughs> Was, was, was there a lot was of summer? Is the summer? It's a summer. It's hot. Very different because Lola was born obviously in January. In January, yeah. It's very different, I, I think, to a winter and a summer pregnancy. And a kit was early and I could feel, I felt heavier. And you know, it's harder when you've got a toddler, you know, that you need to be looking after. You can't just yeah. go on off for a rest. Um, so Kit arrived. Uh, he was probably my most straightforward birth. He kind of flew out which sort of explains him <laughs> generally um and you think oh okay well I've got one and I know what I'm doing and this will be fine and then you have another baby and they're completely different and you'll think actually I'm not fine <laughs> this is what's going on um and it was intense like having two under two yeah um and very different characters yeah. completely opposite I don't know why I thought they would be the same um but you kind of have this preconceived idea that okay that worked for one like Lola I could I used to just wrap up a bag of toys you know mm. in those kind of bags that yeah. you can gather your toys in and I just 
put it out and she'd just sit on the mat and play with her toys. <laughs> I thought it was just perfectly normal. Whereas then I had Kit and it was like, oh, this isn't, you know, this is not how he's going to play. Yeah. It took me a really long time to adjust. Can you remember how you felt going from one to two? Was there a feeling of, oh, I've got, I've got my routine down with the one, I know what I'm doing? Yeah. And did any apprehension sort of come in? Because obviously I... You know, we all feel very lucky to have the children that we yes. do. You know, we've all gone through a lot of things to get there. But I think there's those certain natural things that might come into mm. play alongside that. Yeah. And I say this just with the disclaimer that I love my children with my, <laughs> every part of my being. Yeah, but yeah. we're here to complain <laughs> but and moan about our children. Feel free. <laughs> I... I did reach moments where I just felt just someone taken, not mm. forever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just someone taken for the afternoon. I cannot do this. Um, he he was just he was so pretty. Git. He looked so <laughs> lovely as a baby, and I he was just this gorgeous little boy. But he he just whinged all the time, and and Lola was kind of you know. Um, wanting my attention and I couldn't give her the attention that I was yeah. used to giving and it was just so intense and I definitely found the transition from one to two harder than two to three. Really? I don't know how you, I don't know where you Well, I think the, the, the fact is as well, like let's not be around the bush here, like Lola was just an easy baby. Can I just say, I know I've said this to you two before, but I can remember clearly, because there's three weeks between Lola and Buddy, yeah. and I can remember clearly, us two breastfeeding in my room, us both sat on the bed, Yeah. and at one point you went, oh no, oh no, she's having a meltdown, she's having a meltdown. <laughs> and she was literally going... <laughs> <laughs> that was it. And I was like, oh my God, Rachel right Bunny Stars. Because his, like, his mouth is open, it's like a trumpet coming oh out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you were spoiled with We were with so Lola's spoiled. Meltdowns. And I was literally like, why is everyone complaining about having kids? This is easy. I was like, <laughs> this is just, I was just so completely. And also utterly... that feeling of, I know what I'm doing, I'm getting this right. Yeah, now. and I was so like Although... annoyingly obsessed with her. I thought she was literally the, still do, like the perfect child. And. And she was just a joy. And, and that's why I think we just like, oh, let's have another one. And so there's not a big gap, you know. Yeah. And then yeah. Kit came along and it was like, oh, OK, I get it now. Like, this is what it's really like. I think as well, I, I, I look back to being a mum to Lola when she was first born. And I didn't allow myself to enjoy it. Really? I found the first year just, I felt so stuck in the trenches I, I, looking back now, I often think I could have, you know, I could have enjoyed her a bit more. But I was struggling so much with the transition yeah. of going from, you know, me to mother. Yeah. And I always liken it to that, you know, that bird, the, the duck, sorry, that's going along and I'm madly like paddling underneath. And it really felt like that with her. I, I remember just being... So what I would take every bit of advice that came from everywhere and, you know, finally, you know, look into every single detail and worrying about was she too hot, was she too cold? Yeah. Weaning stressed me out. Like even just thinking about what equipment I needed. Like just so much stuff. And now I realise with Lockie, I just don't worry. No, but then I think you say, oh, with Lockie, I just don't care. <laughs> you know? That is that typical third thing, isn't it? You're just kind of like, oh, they're here somewhere. You know what I mean? Mm. It's a very different... The I amount know. of times we've been in the house going, where's Lockie? And he's like <laughs> yes. at, the t at the top, top floor on his own. It's, it's ridiculous. About, I do feel like... 
Lockie, I have been able for the first time yeah. to enjoy. I felt like that with Max. I, yeah. did, I did feel like that. Uh, you said something amazing, actually, the last time you were on, Izzy, which was something like uh, in the night times or whenever you want to, whenever you feel like you aren't quite sure in a situation, don't go to Google. Mm. Just wait. Yes. And wait for your mother instincts or, your, yes. your, you know, to, to kind of kick in and tell you what to do. Yeah. Because otherwise we are so used to kind of getting different bits mother's of snippets. Mother's instinct, from... instinct is so strong. I think the strongest moment I have had probably more recently was when Kit started school mm. he was born August 26th yeah. and I really really strongly felt he wasn't ready and I wanted to hold him back a year but we didn't because everybody is saying no keep him in the year keep him good you know and that might be fine for another August 26th baby but as a mum I was like I just don't think he's ready mm. but I didn't I didn't react. I didn't listen to my instincts. And, yeah. But sure enough, we have now put him back a year and it's the best decision we've made. But it is that constant reminder to trust yeah. your instinct. And that Well, it's knowing what your instinct is, instinct versus anxiety yeah, and ir irrational true. thoughts. So it's yeah. trying to, you know, figure out which is which one's speaking, your gut or your anxiety. Mm. Yeah, very true. Um, let's go back to the births. Because you said they were very varied. Yeah. Let's go one, two, three, shall one, we? Because I don't think we've ever even heard your Lola birth story. No. And uh, Harry, you can pipe in on your dance <laughs> on, on the one, two, three. Um, on my thoughts? Or... <laughs> How did it go for so, you? So Lola was, was late. She was 10 days. I was overdue. And uh, that's awful, isn't it? Because every <laughs> single day you are just willing you just you want to just have your baby. Did you have endless people messaging you as well? I did, and all the NCT group were having their babies. And anyway, lovely, um, yeah, the lovely NCT group we had. But one of them, I don't think, quite realised the impact she had because she was the first to give birth, uh, and uh, she sent quite a fateful text message to the NCT girls group, didn't she? I can't remember. Do you not remember? She went, oh, she she gave birth first. She was like. Oh my god, girls! It's awful. Oh yes, my god! It's the worst thing ever. And Izzy I, was like, "I do remember." What? Why would she send that message? Oh my god! She was like, "It was awful. It was hell. It was the worst thing ever." Oh my god! It was the worst pain of experience. It was, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And Izzy read it and was like, "Look, look." Mm. Yeah. yeah, I was quite anxious, yeah. as you can imagine. And that didn't help things. No, but but, um, but the birth was long, right? Um, and Lola got stuck, uh, but I had an epidural and all was well eventually. And you, you boshed out a fair few hours of I of, of labour, yeah, her. yeah, I did. And then I reached that moment of in the in, you went into the bathroom, didn't you? Yeah, and you were having a bit of a panic. Yeah, and you were. I remember you was like, I don't think I can do this. And you were very tearful, and which I think is actually a a stage of labour. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. The transition, but I. Yeah, I felt I needed some help at that. Were you point. mindful about your anxiety going into labour? Yeah, so when I found out I was pregnant with Lola, I remember having this conversation with my mum just saying, or Anne Harry, um, I'm going to have an elective C-section because I am too terrified. I'm so anxious. Yeah. And my mum, who's obviously had four, and has never really spoken in the way about giving birth, right? <laughs> to present mildly. Was it, I bit the midwife or something? Yeah, she bit the midwife of one of them. Um, <laughs> but she she then said to me, oh, no, it's wonderful. <laughs> I was like, all these years, you know, but it, 
it, I needed to hear that from yeah. my mum. And um, yeah, so I I kind of worked through that anxiety and I looked at all options and I, I kind of worked through it. And um, but I, I did have have Lola um, and she, yeah, she was born with her arm up like that oh. and got a bit stuck and it was about two hours trying to get her out. Um, and when she came out, she did not look anything like <laughs> I thought she would look <laughs> at all. And we often talk about this because because I was like, ooh. Like, obviously, obviously. <laughs> I know, right? Like obviously, I love that. I was just like... What? I, I heard, I remember being pregnant first time around and the midwife saying, the first 24 hours, your baby is not going to look like what they think, yeah. what you think they are going to. Yeah. But, I thought she was the most beautiful, perfect thing you've ever which seen. Which is weird, right? That I was obviously, I she was my daughter, and I didn't know I was going to have a girl, and yeah. I, obviously, but I, I think in my head I had pictured something. Yeah, I, d I don't know, and and she just didn't really resemble. Well, she came out, and they passed her to Izzy, and Izzy went, "Oh, it's a boy," <laughs> and I was like, "That's an umbilical cord." <laughs> That's a girl. I was like, "It's actually a girl." And you're right, and then she, you know, she's just. She grew and, yeah, bless her. And that she's such, it's the mix of the gene pools as well. Well, yeah. worryingly was yeah. like, she looks like Thomas, my brother. And I was like, well, yes, what are we trying to say? Like... We had IVF, so there was absolutely... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't need confirmation, Izzy. Um, anyway, moving on. It, 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 he was the first to meet her outside. Oh, so I love the fact that he looks like Thomas. Well, yes, he's her uncle. Yeah. What the, wow. Well, what's <laughs> going on here? Been found out. Yeah. Um, Kit. Moving on. But, <laughs> but the can I just say because G asked for my experience. Oh yeah, remember. sorry. One. So for my experience was like. I was the support team for someone doing an ultra marathon or really? something. Yeah, because I was there, and or maybe yeah, an ultra marathon like on all fours because that's the sort of position you're in. Well, you were in. I don't know if that's like a standard thing. I think it is. I think uh, you just do whatever your body tells you. to Yeah. Do. Well, because in the in the in the movies, obviously they're on their back and they're looking great. Mm. It's like oh god, yeah. Oh, there we go. But it's not like that. Um, so there's a lot of you know dabbing at the forehead with the flannel. The Did you ever bat you away? No, no. Oh. Tens, there was lots of squeezing of my hand, <laughs> um, lots of motivational chat from me. Tens machine mm -hmm. was turned up and ramped right up during the contractions. I really found that helpful, actually, the Tens. I had it in my bag. Yeah. I never got a chance to get it out. <laughs> yeah. You're the birthing hero, though, G, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, paracetamol, that'll do. <laughs> yeah, you'll be fine. You sat at a meal table with us. Like... I know, but I can remember talking about blow-dried hair in the movies. I can remember thinking on the way to the hospital, oh, my hair's going to be blow-dried. <laughs> <laughs> it did not look like that afterwards. Uh, and, and for me, and it's not necessarily like this for everyone, but you'll eventually have this moment, but it was the, I think also because I was, tired i was exhausted you know i've been through a lot that <laughs> evening <laughs> no i was just tired okay we lola she sort of you started going to labor in the middle of the night and it was obviously a long exhausting kind of day and you'd eventually gave birth at what it's about eight the following evening yeah eight the following evening and i was just i'd never cried so much like the feeling of euphor euphoria was just like so overwhelming it was it was literally like the sort of physical reaction was like the most amazing feeling i've yeah. ever had so um, I do sometimes wonder as well whether subconsciously we had gone through a lot mm. to conceive Lola and and we'd had a miscarriage. Mm. I wonder whether 
there was that release as well. She was finally here. Yeah. And, Maybe, yeah. You know, and just for me as well, for mm. just to know we'd, we got through the birth and she was there. And If I talk, you know how you can tap into feelings sometimes by talking about it? If I ever talk about the moment in like real depth, I yeah. find myself like welling up. Like, mm. uh, and I think I always will. It was such a, mm. yeah, such a special moment. And Also, in the lead up to meeting Lola, you would have seen Izzy go through something that you've never witnessed her go through before. You know, I think when you're watching, I mean, I've never watched, so mm. but I imagine yes. it's a very animalistic thing to do, give birth. I knew that was coming. I sounded like a car that was being revved up, my contractions. Well, <laughs> would you um, say that? <laughs> I've never heard you say it. Was, it was fascinating. No, that was it. Wait. Oh, uh, it. it was like a car. That was it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was like, <laughs> you can't control it though. She gets no, really. You uh, have it, no control. Is that inappropriate? What? Izzy always gets annoyed with me. Like, if we're like at dinner party or something, she's like, you can't do that. I'm like, Harry, say you. Also, I think those like sounds that. that is you kind of taking mm. control. Do you know what I mean? So mm. it's. Out of your control, but it's your body. Yeah. But I tell you what was funny when Izzy went into labour with Kit, mm. we were we got in the car. So mum, my mum was there with Lola. Yeah. We got in the car and we were driving along, <laughs> and then suddenly she went. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, I remember this. And we had a laugh, didn't we? We had a we laugh. Had a laugh about it. We, yeah. And she, Izzy, was doing it and laughing. Yeah. She's going, oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Kit, I mean. Like, he was there very quickly. Was he, he was early my, or late? He was early, 10 days early, and it was just very quick and simple, really. Really? Um, I mean, I had an epidural. I chose. I knew that was what I was going to do. Um, and, yeah, he was... He Yeah, it was It was my kind of easiest yeah. birth. Um, but I remember with, all, with, with both of Lola and Kit, like, the first night, I do wonder whether that first night sets a precedent. But <laughs> right, what happened? <laughs> I put Lola down yeah. and she slept. I Kit did not sleep. Right. And again, I was like, why are you not? <laughs> you should be exhausted by what's just happened. Yeah. And, you, and it was like that, oh, um, right. So that's not how this is going to go. And, yeah. you know, you suddenly, you're adapting and you have no time to recharge you're no. you're straight in it after labor and i remember just being with kit um immediately after the birth feeling so exhausted i couldn't keep my eyes open yeah it was he it was, was a lot less kind of intense than lola's but you were so tired i've got photos of you yeah, like, you holding him and you're like for just falling asleep yeah but also by that point lola would have only been a year was, and a half yeah, no yeah. yeah 19 months yeah. yeah yeah so you you'd have been running around after a toddler yeah. heavy, like it's not like you you can so I'm going to say rest, but you can't look after yourself no. in the same way that you can when it when it's your first pregnancy. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Yeah, so. I don't know what were your boys like their first nights. Can you remember? Everyone slept. Really? So and Max, we all were conked out to the point where in the morning I was like, "Is he still here?" <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, because Lola she slept and I found it really difficult to sleep. First of all, I was. I really missed having her yeah. in, like me, and it was like I know she's safe there, and I didn't didn't want to put her on me because I didn't want her to, I didn't want to fall asleep, and then you know, yeah, and then but I didn't want her there, and I just remember not sleeping particularly well. Um, whereas with Kit, I was desperate to sleep, and he was just not having any of it. You see, you see little 
parts of their personality looking back as within the first couple of months that you yeah. can still relate to mm. now as a yeah. seven-year-old and a six-year-old, mm-hmm. you know. And at night, when often when we go and check on them, mm. and they might be pulling an expression where you can still see <laughs> that little baby face. Yes, like, yeah, now, yeah, it's, yeah. it's amazing, yeah. And they I, do something and think, oh, my God, that reminded me of when he was, like, six months yeah. old. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Um, how did it feel going into the second birth, having experienced the first? Because I think first you kind of go into with no knowledge of what it might be like. Yeah, I think, I think with with all my like um, pregnancies, I've always felt nervous that everything's going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. So like tr- just trying to get to the point of having them. Um, Probably with Kit, I knew what was coming. What I found difficult with it, though, was Lola, being away from Lola and not knowing when it was going to happen. We didn't have family that lived nearby. So the practical sense, I couldn't control. um, And I found that difficult. I was more sort of apprehensive about who was going to take care of her, actually. Mm. Um, But, yeah, your mum happened to be there, which was... Oh, we planned it, didn't we? No, because no? he was really early, but she oh, had right. been up staying that weekend. Um, and bless her, when I came back, she changed the sheets because I'd my water oh. break. Changed the sheets, she filled the free uh, the fridge. She made meals in the freezer. Yeah, she was oh. she was born to you know my mum is. Um, she's a nurturer. She's, she's a nurturer. She's mm-hmm. a nurse. She's an amazing mum, and and now she's just like your quintessential granny. She's just. So so mm. caring and, and lovely. So um, yeah, it was very lucky, and I I have I'm such a close relationship with your mum, and but there is also that something about your mum walking through the door. Yeah, and I I just I remember my mum turning up and just feeling oh, thank you. <laughs> um, for for me probably yeah 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 you know, um, yeah and then Lockie. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, let's talk about Lucky because baby number three, mm-hmm. it's always a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously having had IVF with Lola mm-hmm. then falling pregnant naturally with Kit, yeah. you have one uh, embryo in the freezer. Yeah. So that was always a thing looming on the horizon if you, if you would have more, if you would go down that route, like what you would do. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have sex again, though, so I was quite keen not to... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Izzy was like, I was like, oh, come on. Cat. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I think what's interesting, though, is after Lola, it's almost like your, um, your fertility system... What's the word? Sorry. It's funny, yeah. isn't it? Because I think it has different effects on different bodies. So yeah. secondary infertility is a massive thing for yeah. some women. Whereas you hear a lot of women struggling first time round, and then mm-hmm. after that. Yeah. Well, it's that's the thing. Is this is no. This is not based on any scientific knowledge. But it was almost like after Lola, it sort of kickstarted everything, and then you were fertile, and we, you know, tried for one month, and it was like I remember on on New Year's Day, it was like I'm pregnant. So I was like, oh, well, that was easy. But then. After Kit was also, born. Also, I just found the whole irony of that. Like having gone yeah. through what we went through and then being able to wake Harry up on New Year's Day and tell him. Yeah. I was just like, what? How is that? You know, going yeah. from that desperation to just suddenly being like, I'm pregnant. And I, I was so grateful to have that mm. opportunity yeah. to share that moment with Harry. Yeah. But then um, after Kit was born, you then, your sort of everything went all over the yeah. place again and you didn't have a, a you know cycle for three years mm-hmm. and then it wasn't until we'd Izzy had finally broken me down to the point where I gave in and said okay let's have a third <laughs> three and a half years later that you were like well this you know I need to look into this because yeah. why am I now in this same state that I was in pre-Lola and that was well for me and I, I think you've talked about it before mm. a really interesting Situation, so you weren't having your cycle. You weren't having. You hadn't had a period for three years, right? Yeah. And um, you can interrupt. Um, <laughs> I can interrupt and, ta- and tell and tell this story properly. But I find it fascinating how you she'd take take the kids to nursery a couple of days a week, and every day you'd have the same routine, walk back and go to the same coffee shop, mm. and come home. And this one day, uh, she was feeling very low about the, the situation of, of why is this happening to me again? And I think just life was getting to you a bit about, I can't remember, there's other things going on. And for some reason, you went to a different coffee shop that day for the first time ever. And somebody in the queue went up to Izzy and just said, oh, I just wanted to say I really have enjoyed your your book or your podcast about fertility. And and, and Izzy was just, oh, thanks so much. I needed really needed to hear that today. And then you got talking about it and you, for some reason sort of connected with this lady and you sort of started telling her about, well, actually, I'm in this situation now or I want to try for a third. Actually, no, she was explaining her situation. Right. And as she was talking, I was going, that's me, that's me, that's me. And her situation was? So basically, I, at that time, so after Kit was born, um, I lost a lot of weight but with no real explanation. Mm-hmm. And I think having gone been on, like, hormone treatment and having felt really uncomfortable in my body and just so far from myself you know you lose weight and people comment and then it feels good and there was a bit of that and then also the stress I was under I felt I was under with two under two Mm -hmm. but also with um yeah trying to fit in work and everything and I just became very controlling over my food and exercise so I um, was training every day I was under eating and the anxiety was bubbling and there is a condition called hypothalamic amenorrhea and basically this is what the person in the queue was explaining to me and I'd never heard anything about it before and she said go and get Nicola Rinaldi's um, no period now what 
The book. The the book. book. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Thank you. And so I went straight up to the bookshop, bought it and did not put it down. It was my it was just me completely about what was going on. And I sort of started to think maybe this is what was going on before Lola. Right. And everything I was doing to try and treat what I thought was polycystic ovaries was actually aggravating the hypothalamic amenorrhea. Um, so, so I read the book and there was a treatment plan, which was basically eating more, no exercise and looking at your adrenals and your stress levels. So I, I basically just um, ate more, yeah, which was hard because I had got myself into a pretty dark place with that. Yeah. Your relationship with food was, was a, at a low point. But yeah. I think, as you said, you, you know, after Kit, because you, for, for a reason that was never explained, you lost those weight. And we were constantly hearing this for two years of, mm. oh, my God, Izzy, you look amazing. Like, how have you done that? How have you lost all this weight? Got and two then, babies. Oh, yeah. my God. And then yeah. she was going to the gym, and, and I remember the food you, you'd eat, and you were so mm. con- controlling over it. And I didn't recognise it as a, as a problem, but it was very kind of addictive, it, that feeling. It wasn't, right? it wasn't about the, the um, aesthetics. It was about only putting good in my body and only being healthy and only being good. And I can't eat this. I, I can't, can't eat, eat that. that. Yeah. So it wasn't about I need to be this size or I, it was nothing to do with that. It was all to do with has something unhealthy gone in my body. Right. And I, I wonder whether, you know, there was a little bit of a feeling that my body had failed when it came to fertility. And there was a lot of um, talk on nutrition and what I needed to do Mm -hmm. to treat polycystic ovaries that just kind of affirmed a a feeling of my body's not working how it should be and I wonder whether there was a little bit of that going on that you know um, I'd lost confidence in myself and this was something I had control over and probably feeds into the anxiety as well and it just got so bad to a point where the moment I knew that something was wrong was when it was Lola's birthday and I couldn't eat the cake. And just that feeling, and, and I had redu- I wouldn't go out for meals with friends because I didn't know what was going to be on the menu. Yeah. Like, We'd go back to my parents and you'd, somehow, you couldn't eat the food that was kind of presented yeah. and you'd bring your own food. And, and looking back, it was like, wow, actually. You kind of, yeah, it's funny. Because and I what would your reason be? So to, for everyone not to question that, what would your reason be for bringing your own food? Because I could control, I knew what I was going to eat and I knew everything that was going in. I mean, it was so, I would get to the end of the day and I'd, and I'd think through the day, what I had, was it okay? And if I felt it wasn't, I'd have to exercise. Yeah. Just really, I mean, I look back on it and it, I understand, but I, it's also one of the most, I feel quite ashamed talking about it. I, would, I wouldn't at yeah. all. And I also think that at a time, a period in your life where I think motherhood throws life into chaos. Mm. There is no control. And actually, I think you found an area that you were able mm. able to take complete ownership of. And, and, you know. Yeah. Also, I think as well, it was kind of, you remember the birth of Instagram was suddenly you had all this information at your fingertips. When clean living was a And clean, clean living, living and, you know... Um, toxic free stuff and and what's the word where people like um detox sorry is the word i'm looking for detox tea detox that and and you know being healthy and it was just constantly this constant rhetoric around being healthy and what you should eat what you shouldn't eat and and i think 
uh, I've seen a lot of people, you know, the times you have talk about it, relate to it. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it, again, it goes back to how we want to now influence our children with yeah. health and fitness and exercise. Yeah. It's all about, it's a, it's a cliche thing to say, but it's all about balance, you mm. know. And um, I think also that's, you know, when, when I started to change my habits, which yeah. was really difficult. And that also meant having to open up and say I've got this problem because you don't want to because you you don't want to go from it you want to stay in it because yeah. that's where it feels safe but you know you've got to you know you've got to my my drive was because we want I wanted to get pregnant and so I followed this plan from the book and a month later my period starts <laughs> it was unbelievable but there was us there was you thinking, I need to do yoga and this, and I need to mm. only eat greens, and I can't eat this, yeah, no gluten, yeah. no... But that was the thing that was actually... Stopping exasperating the problem. The problem, problem yeah. Um, and about four months later, fell pregnant with Lockie. And that was also a slightly tricky one for me because we had a frozen embryo. But at the time, my lovely clinic um, at Hearts and Essex, they advised us to try naturally mm -hmm. before because... Uh, you well, know, you're putting your body through a lot. You're putting your body through a lot. Also, it was off the back of COVID. Um, not that they said this, but I felt there were so many people on a waiting list mm. who haven't had a baby and had had rounds cancelled. Just, all, you know, yeah. terrible. And I kind of felt like I've got my two, and mm. I'm. If we can do this naturally, let's let's try and go down this path, and then conceive Lockie. Have many months later, three four months later. But Lockie is my. Like, I feel he is the result of a really difficult challenge. Like, it's funny to think, obviously, I went through IVF with Lola, which is obviously challenging. But with Lockie, in, in its own sense, it's sort of, he's my reminder. Yeah. Like, he's the one, that, the reason why I won't slip back, you know, I because he is the result of me changing mm -hmm. um, my lifestyle. But you now change the way you, you know, you, your relationship with food and mm. the way you exercise. And I found it amazing that stopping exercise, eating three solid meals a day, and then literally ovulating the next month. Yeah. And um, yeah, and now, yeah, you sort of keep that positive relationship going with, with food and exercise. And it's something that we then can hopefully help Lola with, or yeah. it might be with the boys. We'll see. But it is, it's that overload of, of information, isn't mm. it? And we're yeah. fed something for, you know, en masse. And we yeah. think that that's the right thing to do. You kind of see it now, I think, with a lot of, like, the fitness influencers, them themselves oh, look yeah. at, looking at themselves as Instagrammers back in 2014 yeah. and, and going, that, I was not happy then, yeah. Yeah. and I'm happy now. But and that's the irony of you thinking you're healthy. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You know, but actually, it's, one of the most unhealthy times in my life. I see you now, like when we're around food and stuff, and I see you sort of go, yeah, no, I'll have a bit of that cake, yeah. you know. Because you, you want enjoyment of yeah. that back. Yeah. And you want also, I think, your relationship with food was, was quite sculpted by how, you know, you grew up as well, and we think we want, you know, our children to see a kind of healthy yeah. relationship with food. And, yeah. and like I've, I've spoken to my mum about that. It was definitely, like, generational, where they just... It was a different diet every week. Yeah, yeah. So the language I grew up around food was diet. Yeah. I have to restrict yes, myself. I'm not allowed exactly. to have that stuff. So that's why now, in, you know, with our kids, it's that 
talking about food in the most positive and getting enjoyment from it. Yeah. You know. Um, just because of time, I would like you to give me a very quick lowdown on birth number three. I was totally going into my third birth. It was going to be Trixie. Uh-huh. Really? Yeah. Because? Because apparently there's more space. Your body's like, oh, yeah. look at this. And I actually, I think hearing that was the most unhelpful thing because yeah. also I stopped <laughs> breathing. So that wasn't good for someone who's hypnobirthing. Um, Lockie, so I I had a planned induction mm-hmm. with Lockie and um, it was a relatively, it was all kind of going to plan. Um, but I reached this moment of, it was a real out-of-body experience um, and... It, it, yeah, it was like nothing. I, ha- I hadn't experienced it with the other two. And uh, he... Was it an anxiety thing? Or was no, it, no, it was you like kind of felt like you were sort of looking down looking on yourself. Looking down on myself, mm. yeah. It was, I remember you were totally overwhelmed, weren't totally you? Totally overwhelmed. Anyway, I was. I said to the midwife, I think he's... I didn't... Oh, yeah, no, we did know he was a boy. I think he's coming. And she said, I think it's a bit too soon. Mm. And then my waters broke. And then she was like, <laughs> oh, you're 10 centimetres. So I think it was just a really ex- intense, yes. quick, extreme. Um, and it then, went from, like, 1 to 10, didn't yeah. it? Suddenly. You were, like, settling down with... Um... I just put over my <laughs> iPad. I was about to watch something. I was yeah. like, this is the third time we've done this. I've got loads of pictures of Tommy in the third, like, third labour, just asleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, he... Um, he was back to back. Right. So it took the time to get him out as well. And then he was born facing the world. Oh. Um, and he looked just like Lola. <laughs> Pretty yeah. much. Which you were prepared for this time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uncle Thomas is fine if he's in the room. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Thomas has two of mine. I'm father to Kit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, if you could write a letter on being a parent, who would it be to and what would you say? I think I'd write a letter to my mum and I would say that you mum that you did you were perfect you were like the perfect mother and because I think my mum as we've grown up you know and I hope my brother and sister don't mind me saying this we've we've all had our challenges as most people do in life and she, the first thing she does when one of us is going through something difficult in life is she blames herself. And she she will just say, what have I done wrong? What work? I'm so sorry, I should have, you know. And I'm forever, um, well, my, you know, my brother and sister, I'll take mum, it's not you, it's just life is hard and you were perfect. Like, you couldn't have done anything else. And I think that probably relates to to what you experienced as or still experiencing as a mum and maybe what Lola might one day, you're just doing the best you can. You did yeah. the best you ever could. And I couldn't have asked for more, I think. It's funny, isn't it? Because I think no matter how old your kids are, that, mm. that mothering guilt is always going to be there. Yeah. So she, yeah. So don't, yeah, don't blame yourself. We love you, Emma. We love you, Mum. Don't know how to follow that, Harry. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I would have to write a letter to my mum too. Um, I think mum has had to go through too much and I think having gone through everything that happened with my brother and to still get up every day 
and live her life um, without all the, um, sorry, without thinking about the impact that it's not only just had on her and Rupert, but all of us. And I just, yeah, I want her to know that she did everything she could. And I have so much admiration and so much love for her. And I don't want her to ever feel that life has been different because of what happened. You've mm. still felt her love and um, and just, uh, just have ridiculous amount of admiration for her strength. I wonder if, mm. because obviously with everything that happened with Rupert, you have, you relate to it as a sister. Mm. And I wonder how having your own children has made, well, I think we always say when we become parents, you know, it makes us look at our own parents differently. Mm. Mm. But how it makes you look at that. Yeah. And I think my, my kit triggers a lot in me with Rupert. Their mm. character is very similar. And so I think I have a fear. Um, and actually it's something which it was amazing when you were saying about, you know, being a sister or a, or a parent. Harry's, he, your mum wouldn't mind me saying, would she? Ha, um, Emma's um, lost her brother in a car accident. And so we always shared this understanding of the, that grief. Obviously, yeah. Rupert's still here, but we've lost the person he was. Um, and I remember trying to say to her, there's just something about Kit, which is, and she just said, I know exactly what you're saying. I felt, I felt it with Thomas. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, since becoming a mother, you just think it it's just unimaginable to think of what they went through. Yeah. To to have a knock at the door and the police to be standing there and your worst nightmares. And then that same day being asked if you want to turn off the life support. It's just, you know, how in an instant your life changes. Yeah. And everybody, and it's the it's the knock-on effect, and it's not just in that moment; it's the years that follow. Well, when we talk about mum girl, you know, and in that moment, having to make decisions mm. for that son, for your other sons, yeah. for your daughter, for your mm. family, and having to function, and you know, the 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 weight of that to mm. to, to carry that and to keep moving forward, mm. you just can't imagine it. No, exactly, exactly, and. You know, I think by having my children, mm. I've always wanted that to give my parents, you know, the new yeah. generation and something to, you know, look forward to and watch and be able to come and babysit, but then leave <laughs> leave them with <laughs> us when they leave. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. If they have tantrums, it's on us. Yeah. <laughs> um, we finished the podcast with you completing three sentences. The first one is being a mum or being a dad means? Being a dad means trying to um, help my children not make the mistakes I made. <laughs> I often think that. I often think I went through that and that was really horrible yeah. and I'm going to do everything I can to try and make sure my kids don't make the same mistake I made. Um, but... I guess another version of that would be it would it means um it means everything. I I love I love my kids. Like every morning coming down and 
seeing them and <laughs> seeing the mess they've made at breakfast. Yeah, I mean, don't be wrong. About an hour later, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I want them out the house and out my way. But <laughs> yeah, it means everything. Being a mum means so. Being a mum means letting go, mm. learning to let go all the time, whether it's like that first. Um, nursery drop. Yeah. I mean, you're just, you're constantly hit with these milestones of having to let go of the one before. Yeah. Um, and that's been a big lesson. Second I think actually, sorry, because Izzy did so well there. I, I just want to say that for me, actually, being a dad means um, learning new levels of patience or yeah. trying to learn new levels of patience. Yeah. And that's a constant challenge for me just because of the way I am. Yeah. So, and Izzy helps me with that. And that's something that I think helps me to be a, a better dad and something that I constantly fail at, but try to be better at. So. Next sentence. Since having children, I. Since having children, I find it really hard to remember who I was before. Yeah. Very true. Mm -hmm. Since having children, I've bored a hell of a lot of people by talking about my children <laughs> and showing them pictures of my children. And did you think he would do that before you had kids? Or did you think, uh, oh, God, I'm not going to be one of those people? I probably thought that, but yeah. oh, my God. And now it's even worse. Your phone, you can have that setting where you just tap it and there's loads of different <laughs> photos. So I'm like, oh, oh, there's Kit. Oh, it's a lucky dip. You don't know which kid you're going to get. Oh, that's lucky, isn't he? Cute. He's my third. It's really sweet. And that's, oh, Lola, she, bless her. She, yeah, so. I love it. Okay, <laughs> Final sentence, I'm happy when? I'm happy when I'm lying in bed and Izzy brings me a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> Izzy brings me a cup of tea in the morning. I'm the luckiest man alive. I'm you are. You I'm are. asleep. And do you know what? Not only do I get a cup of tea, Izzy walks up and goes, and she puts her hand on my shoulder mm. and I wake up and then I hear the noise of the tea. Oh. And she says, morning, sweetie. And I said, morning, is it? Oh, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I love you so much. Thank you. And I have my cup of tea. And then the children come in. I'm like, go away. I just want to enjoy my cup of tea. And then I'll come. Okay. Um, I'm happy when? I'm happy when I'm with my family. Curled up on the sofa, watching a film. Uh, no one needs anything, wants anything. <laughs> and we can just curl up and be together. That lasts for probably, if you're lucky, about a minute. Yeah, so someone I'll wants take a, it. Someone I'll wants a drink. <laughs> the cat starts meowing. So is the cat. Is I mean, I love cat. the cat, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thank you so much. I've absolutely loved chatting. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Yeah, a pleasure. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all. 
jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.